with you this morning, chapter number four, and we're going to read a few verses of scripture there, and then we're going to turn to the book of John 21. And as I said, we're going to just go as far as the Holy Ghost will allow us. My intention last week was to finish this lesson uh, between last week and this week before I leave for Africa again tomorrow morning. Um, again, we do desire your prayers. We do desire your prayers while we are gone to Africa. This is a crucial, crucial meeting that we're having this week. And uh, as I said, I've already seen the devil trying to stop some of these from being able to come. And, and we did get word that one of our leaders, uh, he and his wife, will not be there. Um, and so I, I just know the devil's going to fight with everything he's got because he understands how important this meeting is. So please pray. For greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. Amen. Amen. So please help us pray. Matthew. Chapter 4, and we will read verses 23 through 25. Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Lord, help me. I don't want to get... I don't want to get too bogged down here, but I'm just telling you, church, this is something else. I've talked a lot about our need for a revelation of the mighty God in Christ, our need for a revelation of salvation through Acts 2.38, our need of a revelation of holiness and separation. We need a revelation about those things. We need more than understanding. We need a revelation. There is a difference. There is a difference. Once you get a revelation, you'll never go back. Nothing will ever be able to convince you otherwise if you get a revelation. If it's just an understanding, then you might be deceived. But you get a revelation. But I'm going to tell you, this, this verse also touches on something which God's people need a revelation about. Well, I didn't get any amens, but it's the truth. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the kingdom uh, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and doing what? And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Jesus was not discriminatory when it came to sickness. Jesus never walked into a city that I can find and say, well, it's God's will for you to suffer. It's not God's will to heal you of this. I just don't find that. I'm sorry. Now, there are other examples in the New Testament. Paul talks about leaving someone sick. And, you know, there are examples that show us that there are times and incidents where God is teaching us something through our sickness. But I'm just going to tell you, we need a revelation of just how much Jesus wants to heal us. And I'm telling you that too many times saying it's not God's will is simply a cop-out for our own lack of faith. We just don't believe it. We just don't believe he's going to do it. I know you're standing. I know you're, I'm trying. I promise I'm trying. I'm going to let you be seated in a moment, but 
But hear what's on my heart today. I was thinking about this. I think it was this morning. And how here, here in the city of Oregon, just be seated. I'll get to my text in a minute. But, oh, God help us. Just so long as you'll stay with me in the spirit, all right? But, but I was thinking this morning, here in the city of Olathe, uh, they told me when I got here, more than 3,000 deaf people in this city. And, and I thought, what an opportunity for God to perform some miracles. What an opportunity for a testimony to his power. And then I start running into deaf people who don't want to be healed. And they're convinced that God wants them this way. This is their culture, and it's almost to the point that they, they almost believe it's their race. I heard someone use the term, instead of racism, audism, A-U-D-I-S-M, audism, as in part of the word audio, and that you're, you have this thing against deaf people. You want to see them healed is because you've got something against deaf people. That's nonsense. Did Jesus have anything against deaf people? Well, please show me where he ever met one and said, the Lord wants you to stay this way. I challenge you. I want to find it in the scripture. Where he said, this is your race. This is your identity. Learn the culture of the deaf people and stay deaf. Show me in the scripture. I don't find it. I know I'm not getting many amens, but it's the truth anyhow. I don't find it in the Bible. I'm telling you, it's a lie from the devil. When they get to heaven, are they still going to be deaf in heaven? You know what Jesus said we ought to be praying? Jesus said we ought to be praying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. What? What? He said we ought to be praying that what Jesus does in heaven will be done right here on earth. If it's the will of God for them to hear in heaven, then it's the will of God for them to hear on earth. Well, see, I'm, this is not even where I'm going, but it's just what I feel. And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you, God is trying to do something in the midst of this assembly with the way he has been performing miracles and the people that have been healed in the last several services. I, I don't know I've lost count, but I think we're somewhere close to a dozen in just over a week that have been healed miraculously by the power of God. Amen. I'm telling you, God is trying to lift our sights and let us realize what he wants to do in this church in this year. Well, praise God. Hallelujah. May God grant us a revelation. Jesus went about. He went into their synagogues. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. He taught them and he healed all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I'm telling you. It doesn't matter if it's cancer, the flu, or the common cold. Jesus is still the healer. Well, praise God. He's the healer. 
Lord, I want to go on, but I can't go on. He's the healer. And I'm telling you, he's in this house today. He has come again today ready to do something for somebody if you want it. It's up to you. It's up to you. Praise God. Amen. If you don't want it, that's fine. But if you want it, he's come to do it. I promise you. God gets glory out of touching his people. God gets glory out of healing us. God, God's the one who gets the glory. Amen. It's not about man. It's not about me. It's not, it's about God. And he gets far more glory by healing us miraculously than he does by us going around complaining about our aches and pains. In fact, I don't know that he gets any glory when we're complaining. I can't think of how God would get glory out of our complaints. Sometimes we get glory out of our complaints because we get people to feel sorry for us. Or we get people to make comments like, I don't know how you go on in the midst of this. Oh, what a strong person. And you know who's getting glory and all that? It's not God. We are. And unfortunately, as human beings, we kind of like that, don't we? We kind of like that. But um, God wants to get the glory. In fact, in fact, let's just go on. Just keep your seat, but let's go on reading here. He said he, he was healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I, I, I like the way that's worded. You know, for us, we would consider that redundant. We would have just said all manner of sickness and disease, but the writer here wanted to make sure we understood. didn't matter if it's just a sickness like the flu or if it's a disease like leprosy. He healed all manner of both. And then verse 24, what happened? What happened when he started healing people? His fame went throughout all Syria. Now, he's not in Syria. He's in Galilee. He's healing folks in Galilee. And they didn't have WhatsApp, and they didn't have Facebook, and they didn't have Instagram. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have telegraphs. They didn't have television. What they had was teleperson. And that's what they did. When God healed them, they started spreading the word. They didn't just walk out thinking, man, I'm glad I feel better. They went and found somebody. So let me tell you what God just did for me. Well, I don't know if we're going to get very far in this lesson or not. This is a good question. With all of the miracles God's performed around here the last few days, I want to know, those of you that don't show your hands, but this is a question for you to ask yourself. Those of you God has healed, have you taken the time to tell a sinner what God did for you? Have you taken the time to relate to a sinner how you came to church and God healed you? If you haven't, you need to make it a point to do it. 
It wasn't the Syrians that he was healing. It was the Galileans. But somehow word got all the way to Syria that he was healing sick folks. And you know what happened when the Syrians heard it? They, they, the people from Syria, brought unto him. They weren't standing there saying, well, I wish he'd come up here. I wish he'd make a trip to Syria. They said, if the healer's moving in that place, that's where we're headed. Are you hearing me, New Life? Listen, God's not just healing you just to heal you. God's not just taking away your sicknesses just so you won't be sick, but I want to tell you why he's doing it. Because he wants you to get something on the inside of you that you start finding people who need God and you start telling them. Let me tell you a little secret. And I am teaching. I am preaching already, all right? I, I know I'm not in the notes, but I am preaching already this morning. Let me tell you a secret. You get out there and you start talking to somebody on the job. You say, look, let me show you a scripture here. They say, I'm not interested. Can I get a witness? Or you say, man, I want to invite you to my church. Oh, I've got a church. Or they'll be kind and say, oh, okay, well, thank you. Right? And you never see them. But let me tell you something else. When you walk up to them and say, man, let me tell you what happened to me the other night. I went into that service with whatever it was. I, I had a severe back. I couldn't even straighten up. I, I, my, I was hurting so bad I couldn't stand. And do you know the spirit of God started moving in that service and God took that pain away and I haven't had a pain since. You've got their attention. You try to show them scriptures, Brother Chad, they're going to argue with scriptures. You've seen that. They've got their own interpretation for scripture. But what are they going to do with your testimony? And you are made overcomers by what two things? Now there's something else. What else? The blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Now let me ask you something. What healed you? What was it that healed you? Come on, some of you are getting it. Let's try again. What is it that healed you? When you walked in here sick Thursday night and God healed you, what healed you? It was the blood of the lamb. Now you've got a second component you've got to put with that blood that touched you on Thursday night. You've got to put with that the power of your testimony. Well, hallelujah. Get out there and let this world know what he's been doing around here. And all those folks, you've been saying, come to our church, come to our church, come to our church. They said, I got a church, I got a church, I got a church. And then the next time you see them, you say, hey, you know what just happened the other night? I went down for prayer and God healed me. And you give them the details and all of a sudden they say, where is that church? Well, hallelujah. That's what happened in Syria. His fame went through all of Syria and they brought unto him all of the sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy and he healed them. Woo! Hallelujah. 
I'm telling you, there's a reason behind the miraculous power that God has put upon this place. There's a reason, and it's not to do with our bodies, but it's to do with lost souls. 150,000 in this city alone that God said, it's time, Olathe, Kansas. It's time for you to come to my house. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Now, you say, well, they're not going to come for the right reason. I don't see where these people came to be saved. These Assyrians. I didn't, I didn't read where they said, come and tell us you must be the Messiah. I want to know about your religion. I want to convert to Judaism. And maybe these were Jews from Syria, but, but even then, I don't see where they're coming to him and saying, you know, you, you are the one that's been promised by our, by, by our forefathers. You're the one the prophet spoke about, and I'm ready to just, you know, submit you and follow you. I'm ready to sell all I have and follow after you. And I don't see where that's happening. But this is what I do know. They came, and God healed them, every one. Whether their motives were right, whether their motives were wrong, whatever their purpose, they came with faith, they came with faith, and God honored the faith. And I'm going to tell you what else happened. They went back home with a seed of revival. So that by the time the apostolic message got to Syria, there were some there that said, hey, hey, I remember this. I, rem I heard mama talk about when she went down there to Galilee, and Jesus raised her off of her sickbed. Are you hearing me? I, I, I'm not saying that everybody that walks in here and gets healed is suddenly going to get filled with the Holy Ghost too. But I'm going to tell you this, they'll never forget it. For years, for years growing up, I heard my pastor tell the story of preaching in Colorado Springs, Bishop Tom Johnson, and, 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 and Elder Davis was there, and he was preaching faith as he always did, and, and he told the story of how that night a sinner walked in, a sinner walked in, and, and he was there, and he had a leg brace on his leg because one leg was several inches shorter than the other, and, and, and Elder Davis preached on faith, and most of the saints sat there and didn't get a whole lot that night. Some of them may have gotten a touch from God, but that sinner believed what was being preached and he made his way down to the front and when the elder laid hands on him and prayed over him in the name of Jesus Christ that leg began to grow the man had to take the brace off he didn't need it anymore both legs the same length now I'd love to tell you that that man fell in the altar and received the Holy Ghost but he didn't but I heard that story I heard that story for years I heard that story and then when I was pastoring in Kenyon City which is about 40 miles from Colorado Springs. I was pastoring there. One, one service, uh, a visitor came in. And uh, it was actually a couple came in. And the altar call was given. And the man came down and knelt at the altar. And, and I got down to pray with him. And he looked up at me and he said, I want to tell you a story. I said, okay. He said, several years ago, I was in Colorado Springs. He said, I had one leg shorter than the other. He said, there was a preacher preaching that night, and he preached on faith, and I believed it. And he said, God caused my leg to grow. 
I said, I know that preacher. He was my pastor. I've seen your leg brace. He has it hanging in his office. Do you know, that man told me, said, I just got out of prison. He wasn't living for God, really didn't have any tea. He didn't pray through that day. Just wanted to come tell somebody his story. But God healed him. And I don't know how many people he has told that story to. I was talking to Bishop Howard the other day, and he said, you know, sometimes God does things for people that may just be total reprobates, but God does it for them because God knows who that reprobate's going to talk to. Well, hallelujah. I've seen it many times where somebody comes into the church and really doesn't pan out. But they won somebody to God during that time. That short period of time they were there. Won somebody to God. And that person got a hold of it and stayed in and did what was right. Are you hearing me this morning, New Life? I'm preaching to you. I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit. God has been doing things around here. God's been healing folks, but not so we could just sit here and shout about it and see more of it happen. But God wants us to get out there where the people are and start telling them. Well, you're not going to sit on me now, are you? God, God healed you. God healed you. First of all, because he wants the glory. He gets glory out of performing miracles. In fact, um, this is John. I'm not in my notes at all. So, but, but, but the book of John, the book of John, and I, I, I got to find it here. And, and uh, Jesus, Jesus made a statement to them. In the book of John, he talked to them about something that is so very important. He began to tell them that when they pray, if they would believe, he would answer their prayers. But he said it's for a specific reason. I want to do this for you. He said that your joy may be full. God gets glory. He gets glory out of doing things for his people. And God wants us to be full of joy. God wants us to be excited about what's happening. But it's not just so we'll be full of joy. It's not just so that we can have something that we can shout about among ourselves. But I'm telling you that Jesus does it because he wants us to get out there and tell those who don't know him. And those that are not going to listen when we just try to give them a Bible study, their ears will begin to perk up when we begin to tell them about the miraculous things. We've heard about the great revival in Azusa Street. I've talked about it a lot over the last few days. But you understand, again, they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have all those things that we have today. And yet words spread around the world. People scrimped and saved and, and, and sold things to make a trip to Los Angeles, California. Why? Because God was performing miracles in that place. And they were genuine miracles. Are you hearing me? 
This is what we've read in our text. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know that Jesus was touching Syrians who had come only for the purpose to be healed. But I also know the seed that he planted in them when they went back home. John 16, 24, he put it on the wall. Thank you, Brother Josh. Amen. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. God doesn't want us walking around with, 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 with heavy hearts and long faces and our bottom lip dragging the ground and somebody having to prop us up all the time. I'm just barely going to make it by the skin of my teeth. That's not the way God wants us living for him. God wants us to be full of joy. Is there anybody in this congregation right now that you're, you're one of those that God's healed you? I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to ask you who you've talked. I just want to see your hand. God's healed you in the last few services. You, you're, you're here. I know there's some of you here. There's, there's, there's three or four hands that have, that have gone up. God touched you. God healed you in one of those services. Listen, I, I want to tell you something. God did it. God wants you to be happy about what he did. God wants you to be excited about what he did. And I think you are. I think you're happy that he did it. I think you're coming to church with a little different attitude. A little, that's what he wants. But he doesn't want it to stay within these four walls. Jesus began to heal in all of Galilee. That's a specific small region in Israel. But when he did it in Galilee, his fame spread all the way to Syria. And people said, I don't know how we're going to get there, but we got to get to where this healer is. Oh, hallelujah. Listen, listen, I, when you tell your story, don't tell them that the pastor did it. You don't have to include my name. You don't have to say, I laid hands on you. I don't want any glory out of this. I want Jesus to get all the glory. I just want him to know this is his house. This is where he dwells. And what he did for you, he'll do for anybody. We know, we know we know that God is no respecter of persons. Right? Is that what the Bible says? Do you really believe what the Bible says? God's no respecter of persons. So if God healed Brother Jerry, why would God then look at you and say, no, not you? I'll do it for him, but I'm not doing it for you. That sounds like a respecter of persons. But God's not a respecter of persons. If he does it for one, he'll do it for another. Amen. Amen. Go, go back to our text, Josh. Go back. Go back. Let's just start with verse 23. I, I may not get any farther than this today, but I'm just doing what I feel. I've got all my notes here, whatever, nine pages, ten. I don't know what I've got, but i got a lot. But, but, but look, look. Verse 23, Jesus went about Galilee. Galilee. Now, you know, in Israel, Galilee wasn't really the most respected area of the country. That's right. I mean, what happened at Pentecost? When people were there from all over the world and they hear folks speaking in their own language, what was it they said about them? 
Behold, are not all these which speak? What? I mean, you know, these are, these are the less educated among us. You know what I mean? These are not like the scholars and the lawyers and, I mean, these are, these are Galileans. How, how are we here in Galileans? I mean, I could expect this from somebody from, say, Jerusalem. You know, I, I could expect this from one of the well-respected areas of our country. But from Galilee, they're speaking all these languages? But that's where this started. Matthew 4, 23, Jesus went about all Galilee. The poor, the dejected, the not so well educated. That's where he started. But it didn't stop there. And you know what? Those folks didn't care that they were poor and rejected and uneducated. They didn't care. They just knew what Jesus was doing for them. And they started telling everybody else what Jesus was doing. And I'm sure there were some of those Jews that said, ah, they're Galileans. What do they know? But somehow, word began to filter all the way up to Syria. And the Syrians said, if there's a healer down there, I think it's time for a trip to Galilee. I think it's a, hallelujah. Again, go back and read about Azusa Street. William Seymour was one of the least educated men that, that, that ever pastored a church. He had very little formal education. But do you know who was coming in and getting healings and, and getting filled with the Holy Ghost? Do you know who it was? Doctors and lawyers. It's the truth. It's a fact of history. Here was this man who had a, an, an elementary grade education converting men with degrees. But you know what was converting them? It wasn't his education. It was the power of God that was moving in that place. Is anybody ready for that to start happening around here? And it's not that I'm more concerned about doctors and lawyers. I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter when God starts moving. From the lowest of society to the highest of society, they might can argue scripture, but they can't argue the miracles. Well, praise God. Bishop Howard told the story. I've related it here. I think, I think he was first or his wife. Which was first, his wife or him, that had the heart problems? He had the heart problem first. No, his wife had the heart problem first. Thank you. His wife had the heart problem first and went to a heart doctor, well-known, I guess, in Tulsa, heart doctor and and the doctor was convinced she had major problems. The church went to prayer. She went back. The doctor said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your heart. And he said, I don't know. I guess we missed it. Bishop Howard said, no, you didn't miss it. We prayed for her, and God healed her. Walked out. Some months later, Brother Howard himself was having heart problems. Same doctor, running tests. You've got problems. We've got to do something about it. The church started praying. They went back. More tests. The doctor said, I don't know what's happened. But there's nothing wrong with your heart. 
Brother Howard said, I'm going to tell you what happened. The same thing that happened to my wife is what happened to me. We prayed. And he said, the doctor looked at him. He said, well, I can tell you this. It works. And he said, when the doctor got ready to turn and walk out, he turned back around and said, please pray for me. Well, I'm... I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning. I'm telling you, church, God has begun a work in this place, and we need to understand we have become emissaries. If God has healed you, if God has touched you, you have become his ambassador. You've got a job to do. You've got a message to spread. You've got to let people know what God has done for you. So he started in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel. He's teaching, he's preaching, but along with his teaching and preaching, he's also healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. Verse 24, and his fame went through all Syria. They brought unto him all the sick people taken with divers diseases, torments, those which were possessed with devils, those which were lunatic, those that had the palsy, and he just healed them. So you know what happens next? Don't look at your Bible. You know what happens next? I told him not to look at their Bible. And he just gave it away. Put it back up there. It's too late now. You've spoiled the punchline. Put it back up there. Put it back up there. Verse 25 there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis. Let me just explain to you, Decapolis is not a city. Decapolis, that's a Greek word. It's made up of two parts. If you know anything about math, you know what deca stands for. What? Somebody said it. Ten. Polis is, is the, the Greek word for city. That's why we have words like metropolis, metropolis, all right? That's where these polis is, is, is Greek. It's, it's city. So decapolis, decapolis is ten cities. There was a ten, it was kind of a metro area, kind of like Kansas City. You got a ten city region that you hardly know when you walk out of one into another. There's ten cities together. And so from Galilee... Where this started, there are people following him. But there's also people now following him from Decapolis. There are people following him from Jerusalem. There are people following him from Judea. There are even people following him from the other side of the Jordan River. Why are they following him? Why did they come all this distance to follow? You want to know why? Because of a group of people in Galilee that started getting healed and started spreading the word. God started in the least of that region and from right there began a revival, amen, that started spreading all around and people started getting healed and miracles started happening and because of what happened there, it spread like wildfire. I don't read where Jesus went into Decapolis at this point. I don't read where Jesus went into Jerusalem at this point. I don't see where he went into Judea at this point. How do these people know? 
How do they know? Well, these little Galileans, they're telling folks. And these Syrians, as they're on their way home, they're telling folks. And they got to do business on these trade routes. And so they walk into the local market. And somebody says, what are you doing here? Well, I heard there was a healer. And you may not believe this, but just a couple days ago, I couldn't even walk. But I found the healer. And you can see I'm standing upright today. I don't have any problem. In fact, let me just do a little dance for you and show you just how strong my legs are. And they said, healer, where is this healer? Where is this healer? I'll tell you, I don't know where he is right at the moment, but I can tell you, get down there to Galilee. They'll point you in the right direction. Are you hearing me, church? God's trying to ignite a fire on this Sunday morning. God's trying to do something. God's been healing, 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 healing. And now he comes along and he says, there's a purpose behind the healings that I'm doing. He's not finished healing, you hear me? He's not finished performing miracles, but he's trying to tell us this morning, God interrupted my plans again to give this church a message. Listen to me, listen to me. You know I don't do this. You know in 10 years, in, in 20 years, 20 years, you've watched me. I don't just go around and say the things that I'm saying, but I want you to hear what I'm telling you right now. I'm not just talking of myself. These are not just my thoughts that I'm putting into words, but the Holy Ghost is speaking to this church. God said, I'm here. I'm in your midst, but I've got a greater purpose. I've got a grand design, and now I've brought you to this place for a purpose and for a reason. Yes, I'm going to heal your body. Yes, I'm going to take care of your problems, but it's not so you can stay here and run the aisles about it. It's so you can get out there and tell those who don't know and let them know there's a healer down there. There's a healer down there. There's a problem solver in that house. Tomorrow you get on the job. Oh my Lord, I feel this. If not tomorrow, sometime the next few days you're on the job. And you look over and that coworker is trying to secretly wipe away tears. And you think, oh, I don't want to get involved. Well, you may not want to, but Jesus does. <sighs> I said, you may not want to get involved. But Jesus is standing there waiting. Oh, please, 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 please bring me into this conversation. Please give me the open door. Let me step into their situation. Anybody feeling what I'm feeling right now? I'm having a hard time preaching. I'm telling you, I feel a dancing, shouting, running spirit coming on me right now. Jesus is trying to get something across to you. Oh, hallelujah. He wants you to look over there. And when they wipe that tear away, walk over and say, look, I don't know what your problem is. And I'm not trying to be nosy, but I want you to know this. We've been seeing some great miracles in our church. God's been taking care of some problems. And if you've got a problem, I know exactly where to point you. This is another reason why we need that list of testimonies. Because if you don't know what God's doing, you ought to just have it in your pocket. 
You ought to just take it to work with you. And he said, I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to go on. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Let me say, look, I don't know how you're going to deal with it either except this. I know Jesus can deal with it. Let me just read to you the things he's done the last week. Well, I'm preaching to you new life. Jesus is trying to reach for a heart. Jesus is trying. Amen. I'm telling you, God's got his eyes on this city. God's got his eyes on this metropolitan area. And he has chosen right here to let the fire of God fall. But it's not so it'll stay here. This is not about building a kingdom for us. This is not about giving glory to us. But God said, Kansas City, it's time for that wall to come down. It's time for the glory of God to be made manifest. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! Mm. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God's waiting for you to open the door for him. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anybody. He never has. That's why if a stable was all there was to be born in, he'll be born in a stable. He doesn't care. He's going to take whatever you give to him. Amen. He's not going to force his way in. When you get into that situation and that co-worker doesn't know what to do and that loved one is, is just about to fall apart, I'm telling you, you may not want to stick your nose in the middle of it, but God wants to stick his finger in the middle of it. Because Jesus said in one place, he said, by the finger of God, I'm casting out devils. And he wants to cast some devils out of some situations that people you work with and people you're related to and people you've been praying for. Jesus wants to cast some devils out of their situations. But he's waiting on you to open the door where he can put his finger on it. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. My, my, my. If we could ever really get a glimpse of the big picture. The big picture. The big picture. It's one of the things I'm going to be talking about in Zimbabwe this week, if the Lord will allow me. I, I want them to get the big picture. I'm afraid some of them are looking only at their little assembly, only at their, at their, or even their mini assemblies or their large assemblies, whatever it is. But I think I'm afraid some of them are only looking at their locations and they haven't really caught a glimpse yet that God is not just trying to reach one or two or three or four. And I know we've seen hundreds baptized in Jesus' name and I'm thankful for it. But I'm telling you, it hasn't reached near the potential of what God wants it to reach. And part of it is because they've never really gotten the big picture. Well, I'm going to tell you, New Life, it's time we get the big picture. It's time we understand that, that we are just a part of what God's doing in this city. I said it the other night. God brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. God put you here for such a time as this. 
God brought you to this church for such a time as this. Well, hallelujah. It's not that we're better than anybody. It's not that we're smarter. It's not that we're more talented. It's not, it's none of that has nothing to do with us. You tell me. You tell me why God looked down while they were still in the womb and chose Jacob and not Esau. You tell me why. And they're still in the womb. Why did God pick one over the other? Why, why, why? I know what Esau became, and I know the foreknowledge of God. I understand all that, but I'm just telling you. I'm telling you, God knows how to humble men. God knows how to bring people down. God knows how to, God knows how to do things. So why did God pick Olathe? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not saying he's exalted us, but please don't try to read into my statements anything beyond what I'm saying. I'm just saying, based on the evidence, God's got his hand on us right now. But I'm here to tell you, it's not about us. We got to get a bigger picture. We got to understand that God is trying to start something. And he's looking for some folks that are going to just jump on the bandwagon and pour your heart into this and say, if nobody else goes along, I'm going. And if others decide to abandon ship in the middle of this, and I'm telling you, 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 you let revival start and it'll happen. You let revival start and it'll happen. Somebody will hear from God and it's time to move on. It's time to go somewhere else. They've heard from God. It happens. You let revival break out and all kinds of things are going to start happening you build a fire ask Paul what happens that's when the snake's going to come out he might have been hiding there for a long time but the fire gets to go and that's when the snake's going to stick his head out and give you a good chomp right on the hand but you know what we need to do shake him right back off into the fire and just go on about the king's business well hallelujah Devil, you're not distracting me. You're not discouraging me. You're not dissuading me. Well, hallelujah. God's brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. God has, God has put his hand upon you because he has a work for you to accomplish. Well, hallelujah. You're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. <sighs> you can't do it by yourself. You got to have the power of the Holy Ghost. Even the disciples, even the disciples, three and a half years they spent being taught by the Lord himself. But when he got ready to ascend, you know, it was pretty much down to just a handful of folks at that point. It really was. Because we've read about all these multitudes that followed him. All these multitudes followed him. By the time we get to the upper room, there's 120 left. That's just a handful compared to the multitudes. Small group. But here's what he said to them. He said, you need to go into the city of Jerusalem and wait until you are endued with power 
from on high. I've taught you. I've put all the knowledge in your mind. In fact, the Bible even said he opened their understanding. They had knowledge. They had understanding. They had revelation. They had a lot going for them. But Jesus said, there's one more thing you need. And if you're going to accomplish the work and the will of God, it's not going to be through your understanding. It's not going to be through the lessons you've learned. But if you're going to do this work, you've got to have power to get it done. Well, hallelujah. I'm preaching to you, new life. You know what's got to happen to us? We're going to have to tap into that power like we never have before. We're going to have to do more praying. And I'm not just talking about praying words. I'm talking about praying until we can pray in the spirit, until the power of God is upon us in our prayer. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Couple times, couple times now, I've taught a lesson to this church about praying in the Spirit, and I'm, I'm feeling it's coming again. It's coming again. I'm going to have to teach it again. It's necessary. It's essential that we learn how to pray in the Spirit. We need that power. We need that power to come upon us to accomplish the will and the plan and the purpose of God. And you, you hear me when I say God's got a plan. He's got a plan for this church. He's got a plan for this area. And he's working that plan. He's working that plan. Hallelujah. It's not an accident and it's not coincidence that we've seen the things that we've seen at this time. I think it was Brother Jared asked me the other day, why now? Why now? Why is God doing this now? Well, you know, again, we've got to leave that in God's hands as to why now. Part of it is the prayer and fasting. We talked about that Thursday night. Prayer and fasting we've been doing. That's part of it. But there's another element to it, and that's just it's his time. God just chose this time. God's waited for this moment when the fullness of time was come. I talked about that Thursday night. God has a time, and this is his time. Well, hallelujah. Well, hallelujah. I don't know how you're feeling at the moment, but I know what my prayers have been over the last few days. God, just help me to stay in tune with the Holy Ghost. Just help me not to get out there on my own. Help me not to get out into my own carnality. Help me not to follow after my own thoughts. Let me plug in to where you are. Help me, God, touch my mind. Help me to gird up the loins of my mind. Help me to cast down imaginations. I just want to be sensitive to his spirit. Because when God says now, I don't want to stand around and wait. I want to move. And I'm telling you, New Life, God's saying now for us. God's saying now, 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 now. This is just the beginning. Are you hearing me right now? I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost that the miracles we have seen are just the beginning of what God is going to do in this place. Well, I wish some more people believed it. Whatever it's been, 10, 12, I don't know, that's just a drop in the bucket compared to what God is about to do. And what we've seen him do is nothing. 
You know why? Because God's looking beyond Galilee. God's looking beyond Galilee. Well, hallelujah. God's looking beyond Galilee. Somebody hear me this morning. He's looking beyond Galilee. He sees some folks in Syria that said, I'm looking for something. He sees some folks in Decapolis that said, I'm looking for something. He sees some folks in Jerusalem that said, I'm looking for something. He sees some folks in Judea that said, I'm looking for something. Woo. So why Galilee, Jesus? Why Galilee? Well, that's for him to decide. Did it mean he loved Galilee more than anybody else? No. He just chose to begin his work there. But you can see it didn't stop there. You know, if, if, if we're going to have to come up with a reason, if, if, if our human minds must have some purpose, some reason to latch on to, then my suggestion, and this is just my opinion, and you know for 20 years I've told you when it's my opinion, I'll tell you it's my opinion. You don't have to believe my opinion. Everybody has opinions, all right? This is my opinion. If we just have to have a reason why God chose Galilee, my opinion is because he knew those Galileans would start spreading the word. And that's what he was looking for. Well, hallelujah. We talked the other night about the woman with the issue of blood and how she touched the hem of his garment and immediately was made whole. But do you know that there are places in the scripture where the Bible says that multitudes came and said, if we can just touch his garment, we're going to be made whole. Where did they get that idea? Did this just spontaneously happen and everybody's got the same thought at the same moment? I'll tell you how it happened. There was one woman... Couldn't hardly put one foot in front of the other. She'd been sick for so long. She'd wasted all of her substance. She didn't have any money left. She didn't have any strength left. But she fought her way into the presence of God with this in mind. If I can just touch his garment, I'm going to be made whole. And she touched him and she was healed. But I'm telling you, although the scriptural account ends there, what we can tell from the rest of scripture is that her account didn't end there. Brother Merriman, she didn't just go home and sit there and say, well, I'm glad I'm feeling better today. Well, I think I'll get up and do some laundry today. I hadn't been able to do that in a while. I think I'll clean the house. It's been a while since it's been. I don't think that's what, now, she did all that, I'm sure, but that's not what was in her mind. You know what she's doing? Hi, remember me? You hadn't seen me in 12 years. Well, you're looking good. Yep, that's right. Finally find a doctor? Yes, I did. What's his name? Jesus. What was the prescription? Just touch his garment. What? Yeah, just touch his garment. That's all I had to do. Just touch his garment. How long did it take you to get better? It was instant. I, it, it, no, no, no. You mean, you mean like a month? No. A week? No. 24 hours? No. I'm telling you, the moment I touched his garment, it stopped. The blood stopped. Everything was fine. I was well. I was healed the instant I touched him. So you know what her neighbor did? Said, 
Where is he? I got to find him. I got some problems too. I got to find him. If I can, if Jesus will do it for that woman, then if I can find him, he doesn't have to talk to me. I'm not worthy, but this much I know, there's healing. There's healing. And I'm going to get some of that because I need it. Lord, Jesus, help me. Maybe one day Jesus will let me start going back to the notes that I work on and prepare. But I don't care if he never does. I don't care if he never does. I don't think you could accuse me of not giving you scripture this morning. I don't think you can say I didn't give you Bible this morning. You know, Mark chapter 5 is where that story takes place of that woman. There are other stories in that same chapter of things that Jesus did. The first one is the story of the demoniac of Gadara. 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 Gadara was on the eastern shore of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee. Jesus got there, and this man was full of legions, legions of devils. Had to be at least 2,000 devils in him, at least 2,000, had to be. Because when the devils were cast out, they went into the swine, and there were 2,000 swine. So there's at least one devil per pig, right? So, I mean, that's just, Simple math. There had to be at least 2,000 devils living in this man. Jesus cast them out. Jesus just instantly delivered him. And the Bible says when the men came, they found this man sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Of course, the men of the city, this city, were not that thrilled about it and wanted Jesus to leave because they just lost their livelihood. They were more interested in their jobs than they were in their souls. And uh, so when he got in the ship and got ready to leave, turn to Mark 5. You got it? Mark 5 and verse 18. Mark 5, 18. I know it's almost time for me to close. I'm getting ready. Sister Becca, I have no idea what you're going to play to close this out, but I'm sure you're, you're good. You, you've got this. And uh, I think my wife's mantle fell on you because you do a good job of finding an altar call song. So I got faith. You'll, 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 you'll do well. Verse 18. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil. The one that had been possessed of the devils. Prayed him that he might be with him. Ask him, can I just travel with you? I want to be your traveling partner. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you've done this for me that, you know, I just want to just travel around with you. I just, uh, let, let me just, let me just ride in the boat with you. And, you know, if you've, if you've got to teach, I'll, I'll set out the place mats and, 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 and get places for people to sit. And I'll, you know, I'll sweep the house and I'll get things ready. And I just let me go around with you and just keep watching what you're doing. And I love, I love, this is wonderful to see you do this. Let me just, let me just travel around and watch you do it. Read. Howbeit Jesus suffered but him not. Jesus did not permit him to just travel around and keep watching the miracles. Mm-hmm. But what did he say? Was to him. But he said, 
Go home no, to no, no. friends. See, I'm right back where I started this morning. Elder Westberg used to say, oh, preachers never die. They just lose their text and wander. Well, I haven't started wandering. I've come back to my text, so I'm not an old preacher yet. All right? So, so he said to this man, go home, go home to your friends and tell them, and tell them how great things, how great things the, Lord hath, the Lord hath done for thee and, and hath had compassion. compassion. Jesus said, I don't want you just riding around in the boat. I don't want you just doing a dance every time we get a chance to tell more saints about the miracle that took place. You got a job to do. There are people that know you, that know the problems you had, and you need to let them know how you got cured of this thing. It wasn't through six years of lying on the couch with the psychiatrist. It wasn't through a prescription of medications. It wasn't through visiting some witch doctor. And he said, go back and tell your friends how this change came about. Go back and tell them. That's what I want you to do. You go home and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Verse 20, and what happened? And he departed. And he departed. And began and to began publish. To, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We use the word publish today to mean to print a document. They didn't have printers back then, all right? So he's not printing documents. In fact, this really has nothing to do with documents, this word in the original. The original word in the Greek is the word keruso. Keruso. That means nothing to you. But the word means to preach. He departed and began to preach. In Decapolis. Decapolis. How, things, how great, great things, things Jesus had done. Jesus had done. And, all, and all men did marvel. See, this is what Jesus is wanting new life. If there's any message for this church today, this is what he's saying. I'm doing great things for you, but it's not so we can come to church and have a shouting good time as a church. Now we need to have one. We don't need to take God's touch for granted. We don't need to let God perform miracles and we come in here and they used to say, sit like a dime store Indian. That's probably not politically correct anymore. But dime store Native American just doesn't sound quite as good. And some of you don't know what those are. Some of you don't know what a dime store is. In fact, before the dime store, this shows you how old I am, before the dime, and I just said I'm not an old preacher. I'm not an old preacher, but, 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 but before the dime store, there was the five and dime. I mean, there were actually things you could go in that store and buy for a nickel. You, you go in there and buy. Can you imagine that? Can you believe that, Brother Merriman? I know that's, that, that seems foreign. To, I know because you're still a kid. You're still wet behind the ears. So I know, I know the, the very thought that you could actually go in a store and buy something with a nickel. I'm telling you, a kid that had a nickel back in those days would walk out with a bag full of candy for a nickel. And 
dime, man, if you had a dime. Wow. Well, somewhere inflation kicked in. They quit having the five and dime. And it just became the dime store. Now we got the Dollar Tree. And we think it's wonderful we can walk in and buy something that's only worth a dime for a dollar. Well, it's the truth. Man, what a bargain I got. Right? I mean, it's like the little kid right there at the, at the machine. and He puts in one quarter and he turns it and he gets nothing. He puts in another quarter and he turns it and gets nothing. And, and after about $20, he gets a $5 gift out of it. Look what I won. Dollar store. So, yeah, we bought this for only a dollar. And it's worth all of 10 cents. Praise God. So, the dime store. How did I get off on the dime stores? The, the dime store Indian. Yeah, that's so you don't know what those are, do you? They, outside of those dime stores, they used to have wooden, these wooden uh, Native Americans. Um, how they did it, I'm not sure, but anyhow, never mind. That's, forget it. That was slipped by some of you, but anyhow. They'd carve, they'd carve big chief you know, mini feathers or whatever and, 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 and it set him right outside the dime store. And that's, you know, but he was just a wooden statue. So some of the old time preachers used to say, you're sitting there like a dime store Indian. In other words, that Indian never makes a move. That Indian never lifts an eyebrow. And they said, that's what you're doing in church today. Just sitting there like a dime store Indian. Jesus Jesus didn't heal us for us to come to church and sit like a dime store Indian. That's where I was going. I almost got old. I'm getting close. I'm borderline, but he doesn't want us to sit in church like a dime store Indian. If he's done something for us, we ought to be rejoicing. We ought to be praising him. We ought to be thanking him. But understand that what he did for us is not just so we come in here and shout about it. This man went and began to publish, began to preach in a 10-city region. He was going everywhere he could go. He was telling everybody he could find. Jesus touched me. Jesus set me free. Jesus delivered me. Oh, hallelujah. Let's praise him together. Come on, let's praise him together. If there's anything Jesus wants us to know today, I guess I should say, I guess I should say there's two things. Let's stand, let's stand. I'm going to close, I'm going to close. Time's up, pass up. Two things, Jesus wants new life, Pentecostal church to know on this Sunday morning. Number one. He's not finished doing miracles in our midst. He has only begun, and he's going to do greater things. Well, 
number one. Number two is he's doing it for a purpose. A greater purpose than us just coming to church and feeling good about having church. But the purpose is so you can get out there and tell somebody who needs to know. And, he, and, and you could bring them in here and let him do for them what he's done for you. Well, you know, I said the other night, I'm, I'm expecting God to open some blinded eyes. I'm expecting God to unstop some deaf ears. Can I just tell you? I'm not prophesying, but based on experience, those folks are probably going to be sinners. Because we saints have a hard time believing for the headache. But as God starts touching and God starts healing and you start telling others, I'm going to tell you, they're going to bring the big problems in. Well, big to us. But how big is it to God? Well, it's all the world to me. Well, how big is the world compared to God? I'll tell you how big it is. It's just his footstool. God's a lot bigger than the world, and he's a lot bigger than any problem anybody's got. God is not going to be intimidated. I don't care what the problem is. God is not going to be intimidated by it. And what God's trying to do among his people right now is to build enough faith in us. That we'll walk out of these doors and find somebody who needs a bigger miracle. Mm. Seems like I remember. My time's up. Seems like I remember Jesus making the statement to his disciples. I'm going away. I'm going to send a comforter. He said, I want you to understand something, guys. The works that I do, shall you do also. And, 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 hello, did he say it or didn't he? The works that I do, the works that I do, the works that I do, you're going to do. What's some works that he did? Well, let's see. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. Now, he said, what I do, you're going to do. Well, let's see. He, he healed leprosy, didn't he? Well, he said, the works that I do, you're going to do. He opened blinded eyes. He unstopped deaf ears. He said, the works that I do, you're going to do. He raised the dead. He said, the works that I do, you're going to do. And then he said, and even greater things than what you've seen me do are going to be accomplished by my church after I'm gone. Whew. 
Come on, church. If we really believe that this is the end, if we really believe that the Lord's about to come, if we really believe the trumpet's about to sound, I'm going to tell you the things that he did in the beginning, he's going to do again, and he's going to do them in greater measure. So we talk about him healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease in Galilee, and all of a sudden people are coming from Syria, and they're coming from Judea, and they're coming from Jerusalem, and they're coming from Decapolis. I'm telling you, if he did it back then, he's going to do it again. Oh, let's praise him together. Let's praise him together. Hallelujah. I'm saying there's a purpose behind the power that has been in this place. There's a purpose behind the power. Hallelujah. And if you'll get a revelation of that church, then you'll understand. When you get sick, you've got more motivation to believe God for healing. Because you understand this is not really even about your sickness. But on the other side of your sickness, on the other side of your miracle, there's a sinner out there somewhere that your story is exactly what they need to hear to draw them to the healer's house. Well, hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord right now, everybody. Let's praise the Lord right now, everybody. Woo!